From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast. Coming up, a lot to talk about with regard to the Jaguars' changes made this week. Offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett out. Scott Milanovic will call the plays. We'll also uh, tackle whether the move was the right move there, as well as with the quarterback, Blake Bortles bench. Cody Kessler is in. We'll hear from Marquise Lee, who played with Cody Kessler in college, coming up a little bit later on here on Teal the Podcast. But for right now, uh, let's start our conversation with Mark Brunell about whether the benching of Blake Bortles was the right move and what it's going to mean for the Jaguars. All right, yeah, the quarterback move has been made. Blake Bortles benched. Cody Kessler will be the guy now for the time being. Is this going to make a difference for the Jaguars for the rest of this season? I don't think it's going to make a difference. And, and, uh, and listen, we, we know uh, who Blake Bortles is, and we know it's not working. Uh, many times when moves like this uh, are made, uh, you hope for a spark, you hope for a change. We don't know enough about Cody Kessler. We saw limited time this year, moved the team a little bit. Um, I'm sure that this was a tough decision because at this point, when you're 3-8, and eight, you put the guys on the field that give you the best chance of winning. And I don't think Doug Marone or Tom Coughlin or any coach, for that matter, uh, I, I don't think they're thinking, hey, let's, let's see what this, this kid can do for the future. They've got to win right now, Cole. So now that they've gone with Cody Kessler, they think Cody Kessler gives them the best chance to win. We haven't seen enough. Uh, I don't expect to see a lot of changes. He's young, very inexperienced. Uh, will he create a little bit of spark? Remains to be seen. Uh, but obviously, Doug Marone uh, sees enough in Cody Kessler to make the move. Um, I don't expect things to change a whole lot on offense going forward. Yeah, there are so many other issues with this offense. The offensive line's a mess. Receivers aren't catching the ball. Uh, they don't have guys stepping up, making big-time plays outside of Leonard Fournette when he's on the field. How about then for the future? What does this move mean for Blake Bortles? In the Jaguars' scheme, they've got a big number attached to him right now, fairly big uh, with regard to the salary cap if they let him go. Now what? The big number makes it very interesting. Um, but going forward, because Blake is no longer the starting quarterback, honestly, Cole, I don't expect Blake Bortles to ever be the starting quarterback. And I don't think Blake Bortles wants to come in next year and be a, a, a support guy, a backup guy. Uh, that's hard to do. Uh, now, listen, if you get up, up – you know, in, in your years, your, your 10, 11, 12, you make that adjustment to being a backup and you're content with that. Blake, I'm sure, feels like he has a lot more to offer a team. But now that Cody Kessler is the starting quarterback, I don't think that team will be the, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, are there guys in that locker room who are going to disagree with this move and is it going to affect them? Are there guys in that locker room who will agree with this move who it will motivate? You've got about 50 guys in the locker room right now. Some will be in favor of it. The one thing that Blake Bortles has, he has always had the support of his team, at least you know, from what we hear. Uh, he, he's good in the locker room. Uh, the, the team loves him. He's one of the guys. And he'll go out there and, and he'll compete. It may not always be pretty, but he's always going to give great effort and do his best. Um, but there are guys in that locker room that certainly, Cole, believe that it's time for a change. They want to win, too. These guys are playing for their jobs. And whatever quarterback can give them the best chance to win a football game, uh, I think, by and large, you know, that the majority of the team is going to want to go in that direction. Yeah, these guys just don't want to suffer another week of losing or two weeks or three weeks or, God forbid, five weeks, which is what's left 
in the regular season. So the quarterback move has been made. Cody Kessler will be under center for the Jaguars starting Sunday against the Colts. Was it the right move to get rid of Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, or was this just a sacrificial lamb situation? I think, Cole, something had to change. It was either going to be the, the quarterback or it was going to be the offensive coordinator. When you get to 3-8 and eight and things are not happening on offense, not even close, there's going to be a change. So this is not a surprise at all. Uh, going forward, do we expect to see a, a, a different Jaguar offense, a different look? No. The same players are going to be out there. Uh, this happens often in the NFL. When things aren't working, you make a change, and that's what Doug Marone decided to do. You know, you talk about the same players being out there. That's part of the problem right now. Let's not say that injuries are everything, but the injuries certainly have contributed to who the Jaguars can put out there. You're on your fourth left tackle, your third tight end. You've been without your top running back for a big portion of it. Now it looks like Andrew Norwell is going to be out for a while. Your center, Brandon Linder, is out. Um, you've got an offensive line that can't block anybody. You've got receivers that aren't making catches. You're limited in terms of what you can do with running backs beyond Fournette right now. I'm not saying that Blake Bortles isn't part of the problem, but the quarterback isn't the whole problem. So how do you put all this on the offensive coordinator? Uh, I agree with you that something had to be done. Mm -hmm. This can't possibly be the only thing that's going to be. We're going to this more. Of this is going to happen, but probably not right away. Well, we're going to see the bulk of the changes after the season. Of course, there will be more coaches that that uh, uh, get fired. Um, but listen, the the Jaguar offense essentially is consists of a bunch of backups right now. Uh, to your point, a lot of injuries has have caused a lot of backup players to go out there. Essentially, a JV squad. So if you're the quarterback of this team and you've got an offensive line, like you said, that's not protecting you, receivers that aren't getting separation, uh, the running back um, uh, group uh, has been okay. Um, Leonard Fournette obviously is the best player on the offense and, and did a fine job against the Bills in the first half. Um, but it's, it's tough. You know, I've been in this situation before, probably not this bad when this many guys, this many backups are playing with you. It's a difficult situation for Blake Bortles of course, but at the same time, uh, he has to shoulder a lot of the blame because he is the quarterback and he's not playing good football right now. However, there's also a question to be asked about philosophy. And if in this day and age of the National Football League, the Jaguars as a team can do what Doug Marone wants them to do, that this team is constituated to, be, to have a defense that dominates, which they haven't dominated this year, at least not since the first month of the season, and an offense that's going to run the ball, control the clock. It's, it's an old-school approach. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the fact that we've seen what we've seen out of the Jaguars' offense, and a couple of Monday nights ago, we saw 54-51 you know, between the Chiefs and Rams. Now, that's an outlier, but it's not that much of an outlier compared to what we've seen with the Jaguars. Offenses have changed. And listen, you, you mentioned an old-school approach. Well, Tom Coughlin is old-school. Doug Marone is old-school. We've used the word quite a few times, formula. And the formula is to have a dominating defense. And we had that last year. No reason to think we couldn't have it this year. Um, we've run the ball very well at times. Leonard Fournette has done a pretty good job when he's healthy. Um, but if you're going to run the ball, you've got to be able to throw it, too. And Blake Bortles has not been able to do that. We rely heavy on the run game, heavy on play action. But there are times when you simply have to drop back and complete a pass. You get in third and mediums, third and long. A quarterback's responsibility to sit back there and find an open receiver. So, um, this old school approach isn't isn't uh, isn't working. The hard part is when you look at teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. 
that's not old school. They do run the ball, but they're very, they're a dynamic offense. They're very creative. Uh, they get guys in space. I think we're seeing a real movement from that old school approach to some, to some offenses that are, um, that have multiple formations, multiple uh, concepts. They're fast. They're up tempo. They're completing a lot of passes. That is not us right now. So. Is this old school approach working? No, it's not. It has. It only works if your defense is playing like they played last year, and you have a quarterback that can manage, take care of the ball, and when called upon to complete a pass, to do that. That hasn't happened. Well, if you think about what Kansas City has done as the template going forward, you have to get the right quarterback. You have to have a receiver who can really stretch the field and make big plays like Tyreek Hill has, and you have to have a coach who understands how to maximize those positions. We'll see if it all plays out. Uh, certainly a lot of changes still to come in the future. The other move that uh, hasn't gotten as much play but deserves some conversation here is about the what's going to happen in the short term with regard to the offense. There's been a lot of talk about whether the Jaguars' offensive philosophy can win in the National Football League this year. I think it's kind of a silly thing to say, can it work? Because it worked last year. It got them to the AFC Championship game. The thing is, there's not a lot of margin for error with this approach because if you have a quarterback who doesn't play up to his capabilities or an offensive line that gets ravaged by injuries or a running back who gets hurt and you don't have somebody who can replace him, it's hard to keep things going from that standpoint. That being said, I don't know any offense that would not have taken a big step back with all the injuries that the Jaguars offense has had this year. That notwithstanding, Blake Bortles basically this year played like he did the first half of the season last year. The stats through the first 11 games are basically identical to a year ago. It's what Bortles did late in the season and into the playoffs that the Jaguars were expecting to be the change, that he would take that next step. So now what? Cody Kessler in, banged up offensive line, no Leonard Fournette because of the suspension, and a new guy calling the plays. Scott Milanovic, the quarterback's coach, has been elevated to the role of calling plays, call him the interim offensive coordinator, if you like. He'll be uh, handling those duties for the Jaguars. So let's start with the conversation there, Mark. What comes next with Scott Milanovic calling plays? It's going to be uh, a tall task for Scott Milanovic to find out what he is best at. Is, are we going to see Cody outside of the pocket? The passing game is going to be quick. What concepts is, are he, is he most comfortable with? Um, I don't know if they know that because he just doesn't have a lot of time on the field. So to think this is going to be a, um, a change for the better, I'm not sure I'm buying that, Cole. This kid hasn't played a lot. And let's not forget, he's going to be surrounded by the same guys that Blake Bortles was surrounded, surrounded with. So uh, this is still going to be very tough. You say that, but he may be surrounded by less than what Blake Bortles was surrounded with. We don't know yet whether Leonard Fournette will be suspended for coming off the bench uh, and that, getting into the fight. If he is, the Jaguars will have exactly three offensive starters on Sunday who were expected to be starters of their positions when the season began. We have injuries. Marquise, a great example there. Recent injuries like Andrew Norwell. I don't know what the expectations are going to be. It's going to have to be a, a real uh, sort of surgical performance by both Scott Milanovic in terms of the play calling and the game planning to get things going for the Jaguars. Take a look at some of the offensive numbers, though. And when you see offensive numbers like these, particularly coming off the season where there are expectations that the offense would take that step forward, ranked 22nd in offense in pass yardage, 16th in the run, after being the leading ground gain team in the league last year and 
28th in the league in terms of points per game. When you see stats like that for a team that had Super Bowl expectations, Mark, it can't be a surprise that there's some kind of change even before the season. No, there's there's no uh, there's no surprise that there is a change. But you know, in defense of Nathaniel Hackett, how do you work with the product that was on the field? You got a quarterback that had lost a lot of confidence. Um, you know, you had multiple injuries on the offensive line. The pass protection was as bad as it's ever been. You know, since the since the franchise started 24 years ago. Uh, receivers, young receivers with not a lot of experience, not getting a lot of separation, not getting open. And then your, your star running back, he hasn't played much of the season. So you're the offensive coordinator. How do you call that game? How do you put together a game plan and, ex and expect to move the team and put points on the board and win football games? Essentially, you're going to war with a bunch of backups. In the NFL these days, that's not going to work. So Nathaniel Hackett had a, had a very tough uh, um, job. A very difficult job, and now it falls on Scott Milinovic. And tough job for him as well. You know, interesting, we heard this today. I saw this tweet from uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network who said that he just spoke with ex-Jags offensive coordinator Nate Hackett who thought he was being called in to discuss a quarterback change. Instead, he was out. Quote, it wasn't anything negative. Marone just decided to make a move. I guess he didn't think I was good enough. That's the only thing I can think of. It's a shock. Now, we don't know exactly what everybody on the offense or within that locker room, how they feel about Nathaniel Hackett. But to your point, uh, in the NFL, you got to have the horses if you're going to put up the big numbers. When you got guys on the shelf, offensive line banged up, top three left tackles, top two tight ends, uh, your big third down back, Corey Grant. When you don't have your guys, I think you sometimes have to readjust the expectations. That's why I'm not sure if this is going to make a difference here in the short term to have somebody else call on the play. Yeah, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. If anything, it might give the Jaguar offense a little bit of a spark, much like Coda Kessler was when he, when he got some early, early time in the season. He did move the team. Um, you know, I expect them to find out what he's good at. You know, Cody and Marquise can speak to this far better than I can. Um, he is an athletic guy, and uh, he, he had a very good college career. Not a lot of experience in the NFL right now, so it's going to be a real challenge for him. Uh, I'll ask both of you this. Have you been through a situation before in the season when the, the offensive coordinator was – I think, Marquise, you might have had this a uh, couple of years ago. I've been in a lot of situations yeah. like that, um, especially in college. Uh, college, I've been in a situation when the coach got fired before we even got off the plane. Mm -hmm. How does that impact an offense when you have – those kind of changes made midseason? Um, it's sickening, you know, because you as players always want to go out there and do what you're supposed to do for the coach. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to go out there and want to play for him, but uh, when it's not happening, um, you know change is going to come. Mark, you've been through a situation where the play caller was changed, not necessarily a coach firing, but a play caller has changed. From a quarterback's perspective, how much of an adjustment is that? Well, you know, what Cody Kessler will benefit from is the fact that he's going to have the whole week to prepare. They will have a game plan designed specifically for him. Now, they're still going to want to run the ball with Leonard Fournette if he's, if he's in there. Um, they're still going to have to throw it. They're going to try to have some measure of balance if they can. Uh, we saw against the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were just in that first half, run, run, run. At some point, you have to throw the football. So the question is, what does Cody Kessler, what is, what is he good at? What, what passes, uh, is it the short, the intermediate? Can he get the ball down the field? Um, the play caller is going to call the game accordingly. The terminology is not going to change at all. So 
Maybe they feel like they need to run more screens, maybe more a quick passing game. Maybe the, uh, the read option plays. Perhaps Cody Kessler, you know, that's, you know, he had some success in college doing that. So uh, we'll see. It'll be a little different look for this quarterback. How much of a difference as far as the production remains to be seen. Well, one of the things that uh, we're going to be waiting on is word from the league could come down tomorrow about whether Leonard Fournette is going to be fined or fined and suspended. But this was one of the big moments in the game, to be sure, when Fournette came uh, racing across the field and started throwing punches at Shaq Lawson. Mark, you look at this and you go, that's the way a captain behaves. Really a sign that the wheels are coming off right now. Well, listen, you know, obviously it's, a, it's an emotional game. There's always talking. There's always pushing and shoving. Uh, it happens week in and week out. But players have to understand, if you throw a punch in today's game, in the NFL right now, you're going to be ejected. What hurts is that the player that threw the punch was the best player, is the best player on our offense right now. You remove him out of the game, you're done. And that's what happened with the Buffalo Bills. Leonard Fournette's out of the game, and, uh, and that's it. It changed the momentum completely. You've got the ball in the, uh, the uh, one-yard line, first down. You don't come away with any points. If Leonard Fournette is in the mix on that, Listen, it's a 99.9% .9 chance that we're going to score a touchdown right there. We don't get points on that one. And so it really changed the football game. But, but uh, it was selfish. Um, it was foolish. It hurt the team. And going forward, you just hope that Leonard learns from something like that. Because as a captain, as the premier running back, a leader on this team, that is absolutely unacceptable. Marquise, are there some unwritten rules in terms of standing up for your teammates in these situations? Uh, from a player's perspective, what do you, th you make of this? <laughs> uh, you got your own reasons. You feel what I'm saying? Like it, it's a, you can say from the outside it's kind of crazy, and I know it hurts the team, but at the end of the day, for those who's actually in that game, you don't know what's said and what's been going on. You feel what I'm saying? So it's something that he could have did to Leonard that was just on his mind to where it just clicked. You know, at the end of the day, it is wrong as far as just killing the team and not getting no points on there. But at the end of the day, I, I can't tell you what I would have done if I was in that position as far as if Leonard seen what was going on and me having to react. Because I probably would have hopped in to help as my teammate. I'll tell you right now, there's no way I'm allowing any of my teammates to get into the situation and I can't be there to help. You know, and let's not forget that Leonard Fournette wasn't even in the game on that oh, I play. I forgot about that. The far sideline, he runs into the, into the, uh, the conflict, puts his helmet on, and uh, it, just, it was just wrong on, on, on many fronts. And, and uh, listen, I love the fact that he went to um, uh, defend his teammate, to fight on his behalf. I love that part of it, you know. We all understand that. But we have to understand that it's a different game. Listen, when I was playing with Tony Baselli years ago, listen, he, he was always pushing, always talking. Every now and then he'd get in a fight, and sometimes you'd, you'd take a swing. That happened. But it's a different time. You know, you, you can't do that anymore. And if you do, you're gone. Not only are you gone, but you're going you're gonna to get a heavy fine. And here's what uh, Leonard uh, tweeted after the game, talking about the ejection. Just want to apologize to the fans and kids out there. Was totally out of character, was in the heat of the moment, and an important game. Emotions got the best of me. Apologize again to you all. All right, so let's say, Mark, I put you in the position of being the head coach. What do you do with Leonard Fournette in this situation? This... The decision that Doug Marone has to make is one that um, I believe has to send a message for not only this season, uh, not only to Leonard, but to the team. 
Um, I think that the smart thing to do, Cole, is to suspend him for one game. Now, I know he's the best, he's the pl- best player of the game, but if we're thinking long-term and we're thinking what's best for Leonard Fournette, um, he has to learn from this mistake. There's only two ways you hurt a player, okay? Only two ways you really can communicate with a player. That's with a fine and with playtime. He's going to get fined. He's going to get fined a lot. But if you take away playtime for a player like Leonard Fournette and Marquise Lee and guys that are competitive and need to be out there, uh, that's going to hurt. That's the only way, in my opinion, that Leonard Fournette learns from this, from this uh, action. And we're learning right now that Leonard Fournette will be suspended for one game for coming off the sideline and getting into the fight. So as suspected, the Jaguars will be going into the game against the Colts with three players who were supposed to be starters when the season began. One of them is Tommy Bohannon, the fullback who doesn't play a whole lot. Jeremy Parnell and A.J. Can, and that's it in terms of the guys we thought would be starters. Is that an uh, NFL decided that, or is that the Jacksonville Jaguars? We'll get more on that. I suspect it's an NFL suspension. It is, in fact, an NFL suspension. Uh, So that is uh, happening right now. So a little breaking news for you here on the Mark Brunel Show. There has been a lack of discipline shown by this team this year. Uh, We've talked in the past about the veteran leadership, maybe not being enough of it or not having enough of of an impact. We didn't really see as much of it last year. There were still some signs, but with the wins, maybe it wasn't quite as highlighted. What about that this year, Mark? Well, it's, uh, first of all, we lead the league in personal fouls, if I'm not mistaken. I think that number is, what, 22 or, or whatever that number is. We, we, we lead the league. Um, I get the aggressive play. I understand to a degree maybe hits to the helmet or the sacks landing on. There, there are rules. We understand that. You don't want to take aggressiveness away from a, a player. But the personal fouls, anything after a whistle, taking a swing, um, that's uncalled for. And it's happened too much. And that falls solely on the head coach. And there are things out of a head coach's control. He's not on the field. But finding a way to communicate to the team, listen, these fouls, these penalties are costing us games. They really have. They've costed us uh, some, some losses here. And so however a coach can do that to, to let his players know, this is unacceptable. And if it continues, I, it doesn't matter how good you are starting you know, defensive end or a starting corner, whatever it is, we're going to remove you from the, from the game until that's right. That's the only way these things get fixed. In my time, you didn't see this with Tom Coughlin because you knew exactly where you stood. You knew if you went above and beyond, if you played outside the rules, well, guess what? You're going to be down in his office, you're going to get fined, and there's a good chance you might not see, see the playing field next week. So Marquise, is it the same feel right now uh, in the modern NFL in terms of uh, you know, the expectation of, of, uh, of discipline. Uh, Tom, you mentioned Tom Coughlin. He's further down the hallway now as the executive vice president of football operations, but what are those conversations like internally with, with your teammates? Um, I haven't really got the chance to sit down and talk to them. Um, they're going through a lot, you know what I'm saying? So I haven't had the opportunity to really sit down, and, and I'm a type of person to let everything die down before, you know, getting an opportunity to yep. talk to them. They got a lot on their mind right now. Um, a lot of them trying to figure out what we're trying to figure out as far as what's going on and things like that. So um, I'm a type of person who's going to wait to the end of the season to sit down and really figure out like um, what was going on, what they feel like was going on, and what we need to fix as far as going forward. And those same tasks will be awaiting the Jaguars' brass when the season comes to an end. What went wrong and how do you fix it? That's what this offseason is going to be all about. 
We have a lot to talk about in the offseason, I'm sure, uh, with the Jaguars coming off what has been the most disappointing season in Jaguars history. Thanks so much for tuning in here on Teal the Podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to Teal the Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can also find it on newsforjacks.com. For Mark Brunel, for Marquise Lee, I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks so much for listening to Teal the Podcast. I'll talk to you again after the Jaguars face the Colts.